The Being an Engineer podcast is a repository for industry knowledge and a tool through which engineers learn about and connect with relevant companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. Enjoy the show. A brand, you know, at its core really is like a reputation, right? If you think BMW, you think a luxury foreign car. If you think Volkswagen, you think safety, right? That's, that's their brand. So personal brand is really about your personal reputation. And when I talk about personal branding, really I'm talking about your online personal brand, your online reputation. Hello and welcome to the Being an Engineer podcast. Today we're speaking with Tommy Cronmark, who is a uh, bioengineer. Uh, in addition to building medical devices, Tommy helps driven engineers land dream jobs using LinkedIn and personal branding. On the side, he barbecues, works on his truck, and brews his own biodiesel, which we definitely need to talk about because I've never met anyone who makes biodiesel. Anyway, Tommy, welcome and thanks so much for being with me today on the podcast. Right on. Thanks for having me, Aaron. All right. So what made you decide to become an engineer? Well, uh, typical story playing with Legos as a kid. Um, I remember my parents used to, used to tell the story of getting woken up to the sound of rummaging through Legos. So that was definitely most of my childhood. Eventually that transitioned into RC cars and taking apart RC helicopters and flashlights and whatever I could get my hands on. I uh, never really knew what I was actually playing with these, you know, the motors and the parts, but, uh, you know, it was still a lot of fun kind of figuring out what things worked or what things did, you know, and eventually that transitioned into trucks and cars and working on bigger things. And then eventually I found myself at an engineering school and that's kind of really where it took off, you know, do you have any personal projects going on right now where you're, you're building something or developing something? Yeah, there's this one that I've been uh, working on. It's it's like a magnetic universal uh, mount for my truck. Um, so I can mount a roof rack. I can mount um, light pods. I can mount any off-road equipment and accessories. And I have a, a prototype on my truck now, but it's not quite what I'm looking for. So it's, you know, it's an iterative design process and I'm I'm still working on it. Yeah, yeah. How long has this project been going on? Oh, wow. Uh, better part of a year now. Um, I think I had the prototype finished in May. So it's it's been on my car for about six months and it's holding up well. And I have some uh, some newer designs that I've yet to, you know, realize. But um, hoping it uh, it comes out and I'll really have like a finished product soon, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to see it when it's finished. I, I hope you send me some pictures of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, when you were in school, or, or I guess when you graduated from school, you had a, a 4.0 GPA, which is super impressive. I know for sure I did not have anywhere near a 4.0 GPA, but you did, which by itself is impressive. Yet, you you kind of struggled to find a job and I'm guessing that must have been really tough. Tell me about uh, that that period of life and, and what was going on. 
Yeah, so I think it was, you know, it was closer to a three points, 3.8, 3.9. Um, but I really, you know, I poured all of my time into my classes and getting good grades. And I figured, you know, I'm at a good school. I have a good degree, um, good GPA. That's going to be enough to kind of get myself in the door in industry and and that's that's just kind of what I expected. And, you know, I kept applying to all these different jobs and really just getting ghosted and not even getting interviews. And I, I was kind of thinking something's wrong here. Right. So it was pretty uh, demotivating. Um, how did you but, pull yourself out of that rut? Right. Because I, I can imagine yeah. how that much of, must have felt. And like, how did you change your mindset or, or uh, lift yourself up? Right. Well, you know, I think I had a realization that pouring all of my time into GPA was only one aspect of, you know, a whole spectrum of things that are really valuable, right? So there's networking skills, there's like actually applying what you learn, right? And like practicing and getting results. Um, so really, I just had that one arm of all of these other things that were valuable. So, you know, if I could do that one thing really well, What's to say that I can't do these other things well? So that's when I kind of had that realization. Let me pour some time into these other things and really dove into networking and doing these side projects and like learning the, the, the actual, uh, skills that I had learned about, like actually practicing and creating results and putting that all together. I kind of was able to make a, a really thorough, you know, profile and application. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of where that all went, you know? All right. We're going to get more into that in a little bit. First, I want to talk a little bit about Q Health, where you work right now. So eventually you did find a job. Currently you work at Q Health as a bioengineer. Uh, I looked at the product on the website and it looks very cool. If I understand it correctly, it's, it's like a personal diagnostic device. Uh, they describe it as a lab that fits in the palm of your hand. What can you tell us about how the product works and who it's intended for? Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's a personal and fast diagnostic system. It's uh, actually marketed to the consumer. Um, up until now, it's been used uh, in a lot of clinic settings. But uh, as of next week, which is going to be mid-November 2021, uh, we're launching directly to the consumer. So any person um, can actually purchase the system. And it's a, a little reader about the size of an apple. And then individual single-use disposable test cartridges. So you can test yourself from the comfort of your home um, for COVID. And then eventually we're going to be expanding the menu to uh, different flus, uh, COVID flu multiplex, RSV, strep, chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes, cholesterol. There's a huge list of, wow. of tests on the menu that are going to be all these different test cartridges on the same you know, reader platform. So that's, that's kind of the gist of it right there. That's awesome. So this really empowers individuals to, you know, kind of diagnose themselves. Uh, not to say that it's like a replacement for going to a doctor necessarily, but it's at least a first step, right? Where you can uh, take some of that power in the palm of your hand, no pun intended, and uh, figure out what's going on and, and maybe how to start trying to treat yourself. Um, that's really cool. Um, right. It uh, it follows the trend of decentralized healthcare and, and bringing the yeah. health to the home. 
So I think, and, and I'm not too sure about this, but I think you can actually order uh, queue tests via DoorDash. Is that right? I think so. I'm, I'm not too sure, but I think that's the plan. We'll see. <laughs> well, I hope to see it on Amazon Prime in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, my, yeah, exactly. My platform of choice. Yeah. I did a, a blood test recently where I went, I forgot what the company was called, but it was some company that sells online and you place an order for this specific test and they send you a little kit and you prick your finger and put some blood in and send it off to a lab and then get your results. It was, it was way more convenient than going into a doctor's office and, and then going to a lab afterwards and dealing with all of that headache. So, the decentralized healthcare, I'm, I'm a big fan of. I can't t- wait to see Q's product and more like it come out over, over the, uh, in the future. Um, so consumers will be able to buy this in, uh, did you say uh, a few months next year sometime? Uh, next week, actually. So oh, as week? early as, um, November 2021. Okay. And what is your day to day like as, as a, a bioengineer? Um, mm-hmm. can you share a few specific things that you do just to give people a sense for what, what is it that a bio, bioengineer does every day? Yeah. So I have, well, I went to school for biomedical engineering and I got a job as a bioengineer, which is probably the most straightforward, um, you know, a B thing you could do. But really what my role is, is a uh, failure analysis engineer. So anytime we're building products and they fail QC or we, we find a product that's not conforming to what we expect it to, um, it's my job to go in and figure out specifically what's going on. What's, what's not working that it's like it's supposed to? Um, is it a design problem? Is it a manufacturing thing? Is it some process variability? Do we just have the wrong or like a defective material? And whatever that answer is, I get to, first of all, confirm that and make sure that that is the case and then feed that information back to the appropriate uh, team. So whether it's quality, process, manufacturing, it's it's full circle. And that's one of the things I really like about it. It's, um, you know... People say biomedical engineering is sort of the jack of all trades major. And I personally love that, you know, and I love that this job kind of reflects that as well as I find something and then I have to know a little bit about all these other departments and who to contact and how does this fit in. It's all full circle. Kind of the radiologist of. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You have talked about your job at Q as being your, your dream job. And I think that a challenge for a lot of people is, is defining what it is that makes a job their dream job. Like, what is it that we're really trying to accomplish in our careers and in our lives? How did you define what needed to be true for a job to qualify as your dream job? And then how did, how did you know that you had found it? Well, you know, that question you asked me just now, um, I think that's pretty much the exact question I asked myself about a year ago. Um, so, you know, flashback to a year ago, I was coming out of undergrad. I had that really high GPA, but I couldn't get a job that actually kind of persuaded me to go into my master's program. But it was also at that 
that time when I was really reflecting and, and trying to figure out what do I actually want to do as I prepare to graduate and, and leave school. So I really broke it down. I figured, okay, what are the things that are important to me, right? It's, it's the industry. Uh, it's the products that I'm working on. It's the company culture. Certainly the location. That was a big thing for me. Um, other benefits like PTO and, and pay, those were also important. So I tried, you know, asking myself as many questions as I could and then answering all of those and, and leaving some margin of, of, you know, wiggle room. Um, so I don't lock myself in too tight, but I had a really good idea of what it was I was looking for. Um, and then when this opportunity at Q Health came, you know, I, I saw from the job description that it matched some of the things I was looking for. And then I, I went a step farther and I started reaching out to current employees and I would, I would ask for 10 minutes of their time if they could just tell me about what it's like to work there. Um, you know, do you like your coworkers? Do you like showing up to work? Are you proud of the products that you make? Trying to evoke some of the, some of the answers and the, the questions that I had asked myself earlier. And I got resounding uh, confirmation that it was something that I was, I was looking for. So, you know, fast forward a bit more and I ended up taking the job. You know, I, I don't think it's something you can fully understand um, until you've actually been in the role, but I think you can get a pretty good idea of of what your dream job might be before you actually take a role. That's a really good idea to reach out to some of those people actually working there and mm -hmm. get their feedback about it. Did you use LinkedIn for that or some other means? Absolutely. Yeah, I... You know, at that turning point when I was figuring out what I wanted to do, I really dove in on the LinkedIn, um, you know, engagement and networking and reaching out. And, you know, that's really what motivated me to um, build these connections and these relationships with people at companies that I'd be interested in working for. And, um, you know, through doing that, I was able to you know, confirm that the companies on my list were companies I would be interested in and, you know, also cross some out that it sounded like people weren't really happy there. And, mm. you know, that's something you can't get from an online application or, or Glassdoor, maybe, you know. Or from looking at their website. Yeah. Imagine right. having spent all this time getting a job and then realizing the first month that you just, you're miserable there. I had another question. And it has just slipped my mind. I remember what it was. What are a couple of the things that were on your list as far as these things need to be true in order for me to be really happy where I work? So location was big. Um, I was looking at San Diego and San Francisco. I've, I've always been a California person. So it's, I was really looking between those two places. Um, luckily, diagnostics, which is sort of my specialty in medical devices, those both of those areas are huge hubs for diagnostics and medical devices. So that was easy. Um, the culture I wanted, I wanted to be surrounded by young coworkers and, uh, you know, be excited to, to come to work. And then finally impact. I wanted whatever the product that I was working on to actually have an impact and, and to be able to see that impact in, in customers and in the world, right? Um, and I know that that last one's true now because 
My mom raves about this product. She is that she right? Tells she all uses of her friends it. About it. Oh, how <laughs> she hasn't cool. used it yet, but she keeps she keeps up with the news. And um, you know, Q Health is was the diagnostic company that helped the uh, the NBA get back on the courts. And she ah. tells that story to everybody she meets. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Well, I'm starting to understand a little bit about the process that you went through to, to land the job at Q Health. You, you went to school at Cal Poly, which I have heard from so many people is, is one of, if not the best school for engineering here in the U.S. because they are so focused on, uh, providing opportunities that allow you to learn practical experience. In fact, their motto is learn by doing. What, how did you apply that philosophy to your job search? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think you actually, you mentioned that they provided the opportunities. I think that's great framing. You know, they really stress learn by doing, but ultimately they can't force you to, to be a, a learn by doer, right? So they provide all, all the opportunities and they really motivate you to give it a shot and, and learn by failing really, and then learning and then doing it again. Right. Um, so really that iterative process of learn by failing and then learn by doing again, um, you can take that same, you know, method and apply it to your job search. Right. So, you know, first, first thing I did was I just applied to a bunch of, you know, online apps that didn't work. It failed. Right. So then I started building connections and trying to get referrals that would get me in the door. That would get me interviews. And then I, I really started, you know, honing in on what it is that I do. My, my personal brand, like I am known as an expert in this field. And that's what really helped me in my job search, right? So, so backing up, it was like an iterative process of learning, failing, learning, failing, and then finally doing and succeeding. And that is the quintessential process for engineering, right? Try something, Absolutely. see how it works. Correct, correct. Try it again. Correct. I love it. All right. Well, I'm going to take a very short break here and share with the uh, listeners that teampipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices. Today, we're speaking with Tommy Cronmark. Tommy, you, you talk a lot about personal branding on LinkedIn. Let's start with the basics. What does it even mean to have a personal brand, and why is it important for engineers to have one? Yeah, so a brand you know, at its core really is like a reputation, right? If you think BMW, you think a luxury foreign car. If you think Volkswagen, you think safety, right? That's, that's their brand. So a personal brand is really about your personal reputation. And when I talk about personal branding, really, I'm talking about your online personal brand, your online reputation. And with branding, there's also, uh, a flavor of marketing in that as well. And, and with that, I mean that you have some intent and you, you have some power to shape how your brand is built and how your brand is perceived. So you can essentially create your own personal brand 
and you can tell people what you want to be known for, right? And that's a great way to uh, basically market yourself as an expert in X, Y, or Z. So I'm going to pretend that I am just Joe Engineer out there listening to the podcast right now, and I'm hearing Tommy talk about marketing and branding, and I'm thinking to myself, I went to school to become an engineer, not a marketing specialist. This all sounds really complicated to me. Marketing and branding, that's like the super creative side, the artistic side. I'm very analytical by the numbers. How 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 does one what response would you give to an engineer who's maybe having some of those thoughts? Well, I definitely resonate with that. You know, I went to engineering school and I did not go to business school. So it is a whole new world, a whole new language for me. But it's something that I've been able to explore and really get into the past year with with the pandemic and staying at home. So I think you can actually take a lot of the same uh, perspectives and, and engineering methodologies to marketing and, and to business, but just sticking with marketing, right? There's, you know, if you think in engineering, you want to build a prototype, test it, um, validate scale, right? You can sort of do that same thing in marketing, right? You can try a few different strategies, uh, define a performance rep metric on how you're going to rate all of these strategies and then really go in on whichever ones that work and really iterate and perfect your messaging. And eventually you'll, you'll end up with a, a product, which is your personal brand that's working and it's working for you. Are there any resources that you found like books or YouTube videos or anything like that, where an engineer who's interested in dipping their toe a little bit into that marketing branding pond might start? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really started reading a lot of books this past year. I have an exhaustive list um, on my LinkedIn as well, actually. But uh, some of the ones that stand out are the Startup Owner's Manual, which is it's almost like a like a computer repair book or a a car repair book for how to start and run a business. So it talks uh, about everything from marketing to business principles, but it's, it's in a way that it's almost like a troubleshooting guide. So that's, that's been a huge thing. I actually, I got the audiobook for that one. And then halfway through the audiobook realized I want the physical copy as well. So I went back and got that and, and really started taking notes. Nice. Um, besides that, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts, really started to expand my, you know, my, my rather narrow engineering mindset and listening to a lot of business podcasts and marketing and understanding this idea of the customer and, and the product and the product market fit and all of these things that really we're not exposed to as engineers. Um, and you know, it might be a disservice. I think, I think all engineers should have some exposure to, uh, business and marketing principles, you know? I agree. In the end, we're all trying to sell our ideas, right? Right. Have you read uh, Story Brand by Ronald or Donald Miller? I have not. That's a great one. Highly recommended. Yeah. Building a Story Brand. I can't remember exactly, but if you search Story Brand and Donald Miller, you'll find it. Very popular one. Yeah. I'll be sure to add that to my list. How about after 
you land your job? Is it is it important to maintain your personal branding even after you found that dream job? I would think so. Uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily should be your number one priority. Um, but I do think that you should keep your LinkedIn up to date. And I think you should let your network know what it is you're working on and what it is you want to be known for. I think that's, that's a consistent thing that you should check in, um, at least every month, you know, maybe every week, right? Do you have any pro tips that you can share about a, how to find relevant jobs, B get an interview and then C close the deal, land the job from a, a, a marketing and branding standpoint? Yeah, definitely. Um, first and foremost, take some time to figure out what it is you're looking for. Really define as, as specifically as you can what you're looking for. Um, but make sure to give yourself some wiggle room. You don't want to lock yourself in. So that's, that's the first thing, right? After that, then you start your search. You do, you do your research. You look on all of the job sites. You see which types of jobs not the titles, but the actual job descriptions match up with what it is that you just defined, the things that you're looking for, right? And and you'll start to get a, a sense of these types of jobs at these types of companies match up with what I'm looking for, right? So then you take it a step farther. Can you find anybody out there in the world that has those jobs? Try to schedule an informational interview with them. See if you can pick their brain about what it is to, to be that person, to, to be in that role. Um, and then you could even take it as far as ask them how they got there, right? Um, you want to develop these relationships, learn as much as you can about the role. And then you start networking. You start getting your foot in the door at these companies. Uh, that could just be as simple as reaching out on LinkedIn. It could be uh, more targeted is, is finding emails or, or something like that. Um, but once you've done that, the last thing you really want to do is, is apply to the job online. You really want to be like really focused in and have a strong network presence and, and support for that job. And if you can get referrals as well, and that comes from building relationships, um, more so than just an empty referral. If you have if you have a relationship with somebody who you've you've reached out to and you've been able to strengthen and, and build a relationship, that type of referral really gets you in the door. And the the jobs <clears throat> the jobs that you applied to and where you got interviews at were there what did you do to get those interviews? Were you just applying online or uh, was there was there anything more tactical that you were using as an approach? Well, definitely more tactical. I, I really did try and network with as many people at these companies as I could. Um, and I would start with, you know, school alumni. Are there any Cal Poly alumni at these companies? Mm. If there are, that's a great jumping point to, to connect and say like, Hey, I'm looking at this company. I'm curious if it's a, a right fit for me. Would you have some time to tell me about your experience here or, um, how you got here, or if there's anything I need to know about the application or an interview process. So that, that was the first step, right? Is seeing if I can find some insiders who, who would give me some insight. Um, then I would expand that to 
other people that studied biomedical engineering or other people from my hometown or anything that I can find that might be a relevant, um, a relevant way to, to build that connection, to sort of spark a relationship there. Once I've done that, now I'm known at a few different levels at this company. And a lot of companies have an internal uh, referral program. So you can find whichever you know person is closest to the role you're looking at or whichever person you have the strongest relationship with. And a lot of times they'd be able to provide a uh, a referral. So that's actually how I got the job that uh, I'm in now. And that's, that's what I would recommend to others as well, if they can. That's huge, right? That referral. I actually uh, am doing that right now. A friend of mine is looking for a job and the company at which he is applying, I know some people there. And so I contacted them and said, Hey, a friend of mine is looking for a job. I think you'd be a good fit. And turns out they have that internal referral system as well. So they're doing the referral and, and now, you know, his name kind of floats to the top of the pile. So that's, that's a huge one. Um, I also wonder, Tommy, if you're going to end up as like a sales engineer at some point, because you're so good at networking and following up with these people, <clears throat> even if you don't end up as a sales engineer, have you found that some of these skills around marketing and branding, personal branding, have you found that any of those skills have transferred maybe in ways that you didn't expect into your role as an engineer? Absolutely. Um, so my, my role, I communicate a lot with the other departments and I communicate a lot with stakeholders at different levels of the company. So one thing that I've noticed that I've been really good at, and I, I do credit it to this exploration of business and marketing and and understanding the customer. Um, I really understand what's valuable to the different stakeholders, whether they're in different departments or different levels of the company and being able to communicate what's valuable to them, to them, right. And not, not giving them the extra, you know, details or, or whatever, just what they care about. And that's been really effective. Um, just in general, like across the board, <clears throat> I have a another pro tip that I thought about I want to share. I use a CRM for uh, the sales activities that I do. Probably a third of my time is spent, maybe even more than that, is spent uh, just doing sales. And I have no formal training in sales. I had to figure that out on my own using trial and error, right? Try something, see if it works, try something else. And, uh, I've gotten, I don't think I'm ever going to be a superstar salesperson, but I'm, I'm, uh, sufficiently, uh, uh, proficient at it at this point. And I use a CRM and it is such a valuable tool for me doing sales activities. And I think that finding a job is a lot like looking for sales opportunities. And if you you can get uh, free CRMs out there, you know they're they're like HubSpot and Zoho. They have free versions of their their CRM. Um, CRM stands for Customer Relations Management, I think. Anyway, it's a a platform that you can enter in contact information, and you can create uh, reminders and tasks for yourself to like follow up with these people. And I have had so many people tell me. I can't believe how good you are at following up. No one follows up as well as you do. 
And it's so easy. It's just, I follow the tasks in the CRM. You know, I create a task and it pops up and reminds me and I, I call a person and, and it's that easy. I was on the phone with a CEO the other day and this guy, you know, he's a CEO. He's at, at the top of the company and his background was in sales. And I sent him, I think nine meeting requests. And what here, here's, here's one of my, my pro tips. I'll share this with, with everyone. When I want to uh, get a meeting with someone, I don't email them and say, Hey, I'd like to meet with you. How about this time or this time or that time? I don't even say, I'd like to meet with you. Here's my, here's my calendar link. Click on it and go find a time that works. I send them a, uh, an actual Outlook meeting invite with a, spe- a specific date and specific time. It's a little bit aggressive and presumptuous, but I've had really great success doing that. People accept that way more often than you would think. So anyway, I sent this CEO nine Outlook uh, meeting requests or, or Outlook calendar invites, and he declined all of them. Or no, no, he didn't respond to any of them. But I, I, I was persistent. And that's the other thing that's so, so important with marketing or sales is persistence. And so, uh, on, on attempt number 10, um, he actually called me and he said, I thought I was a good salesperson. You're a hundred times better than I was. So he had been getting all of these and he absolutely knew who I was. And he finally called me and said, all right, yeah, let's talk. And, uh, I actually just spoke with him earlier this morning and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm still interested. Let's, let's talk. So anyway, that's my pro tip. Use a CRM, um, automate your, your follow-ups with people and be really, really persistent. You might think that, no one is listening to you, that they're never going to respond, that they're just dis- disregarding you altogether. But if you're persistent, people will remember you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. Um, I'll be sure to check out the CRMs that might even make it into uh, my job, job search guides. We'll see. There you go. Yeah. All right. Tell me a little bit about biodiesel. Apparently, you have been brewing it since you're 16 years old. I don't even really understand what biodiesel is. So maybe a quick primer on what the heck is biodiesel? How is it brewed? Uh, uh, can you use it in just any old diesel engine? Yeah. So biodiesel is is super cool. It's a passion I developed early on. Um, I actually had a high school teacher who had this uh, morning club group that met before class and they would take uh, waste vegetable oil from the local roadside grill down the street and we would turn it into biodiesel and sell it to vineyards and winery managers and um, didn't really know a whole lot about the process back then but really saw the value and thought it was super cool so I ended up learning a lot more about it in college and and basically um, waste vegetable oil is, it actually can be run as vegetable oil in diesel engines. Wow. Uh, more robust and older diesel engines will, will, you know, gladly take it. But a, an oil molecule at its core is hydrocarbon chains, right? So a, uh, they're all the, the classic vegetable oil molecule is three hydrocarbon chains connected to a soapy head. And so turning vegetable oil into biodiesel essentially just cuts off that soapy head and you're left with just the hydrocarbon chains, which is exactly what diesel is, right? The only difference is the 
The biodiesel typically is unsaturated, which means you'll have some kinks, and that can make the uh, fluid a little bit more viscous. So biodiesel can actually be run in pretty much any diesel engine prior to, I want to say the early 2000s. After that, the automakers started really narrowing in on on engineering their engines specifically for your standard diesel. So if you want a, a, a new diesel engine to run on biodiesel, you might have to switch out some fuel lines or, or your mm. fuel injectors, um, things that can handle basically uh, a more viscous fluid, and you got to tweak the fuel-air ratio a little bit as well. And why do you think that happened? What were they in cahoots with, um, you know, petroleum refineries or, uh, trying to exclude where there are too many people that were trying to use biodiesel and, and, and someone was getting cut out of the process or, or was it just, this is a, a much more efficient method of building a diesel engine? I think it's the latter. I think they were able to extract better, uh, emissions and gas mileage out of the mm. engines if they were more efficiently burning and using the fuel. That makes sense. Okay. And tell me about the process for, for making diesel. How does that work? Biodiesel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fairly simple process actually, which is probably why we were able to do it, um, at 16 in high school. But basically you take your vegetable oil and you want to heat it up. Um, you're going to add methanol as your essentially your chemical scissors that cut off that soapy head from the hydrocarbon mm. chains. And uh, you're actually going to add sodium hydroxide as well. That acts as a catalyst to speed up the reaction. So when you add all of that, you're going to just mix it either circularly or however you mix the, the solution. Um, at that point, you're going to have your biodiesel ready to go but it's also going to be mixed in with sodium hydroxide and methanol and glycerol. Um, so how do you separate that? Well, diesel, which was like basically oil, doesn't mix with water. But methanol, glycerol, and sodium hydroxide all mix with water. So you can actually run water through the mix, and the water will pull out all of the other byproducts. Oh, wow. And the diesel will float up to the top. That is very cool. Yeah, so it's a pretty simple process, but you do need um, a good understanding of some of the chemical reactions and, you know, flow control, volume control, all, all of that good stuff. Neat. Well, how cool. All right, from Legos to biodiesel. Yeah. Tommy, uh, thank you so much for hanging out today. How can people get a hold of you? Absolutely on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn pretty much every single day, so... Uh, follow, connect, shoot me a message, and I'll be sure to get back to you. Uh, especially if you are an engineering student or if you know any engineering students, I'm happy to help them um, get their first job. Fantastic. Well, Tommy, thank you again. I really appreciate you sharing your experience with personal branding and marketing for engineers. It's awesome. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Aaron Moncur founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.